Welcome to Testimony, a musician story. Heard at TestimonyStories.com and narrated by myself, Brown Theory, the music lover constantly seeking positive music. Let's get started. to yeah i'm on the internet i'm searching for that good music yeah but it seems like my efforts are turning up useless i want that soul food radio feeding me poison turn on that way though radio gotta enjoy them i get some interviews and a little news from sketch the home of hip-hop minus all the mess minus all the hate all the beef and the drama you can listen with your wife or with your kids or with your mama you can listen dj wado was born wade thomas harris yes the man has three last names. On January 7th, 1980, in Columbus, Ohio, he grew up with both his parents. His mom, a high school principal turned superintendent of Columbus schools, and his dad, the vice president of a large bank. Wade was raised in a middle-class neighborhood. And if it wasn't for the fact that he was an only child, they would have been the real-life version of the Cosby Show. Um, I, I grew up in an environment in which, in my immediate neighborhood, most kids had both parents in the house, but it was largely African Americans and Jewish people that lived in that community. And so it wasn't until I started going to middle school that I start to see and understand that that wasn't a normal way to grow up for most people in America. You know, of having two parents and, you know, both parents working and having decent jobs and things like going on vacation in the summer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I just I, you know, I just kind of took those things for granted um, until, again, you know, I, I got to middle school, Johnson Park Middle School and started to kind of see how everybody doesn't live like that. And that's also around the time I got into hip hop music. And clearly, you know, hip hop. When you're talking about your surroundings, most of the people that make that music, particularly back then, that that's not their their livelihood either. That's not their, you know, that wasn't how they lived. So, you know, I'm getting into Biggie, Tribe Called Quest, Black Moon, M.O.P., Souls of Mischief. You know, that's not the type of stuff they rapped about. So that was, was a little bit of a culture shock. Despite their heavy workload, the Harrises dedicated their free time to serving in the church which meant they were at that bad boy several times a week. So how do you think young Wade felt about that? I didn't appreciate that part of it. You know, church was a burden for me because we were down there three, four nights a week. See, part of the problem is when you have parents that serve so much at church, you're serving at church <laughs> when you don't want to be there. You know, when you'd rather be playing basketball with your friends or you know, out chasing girls or something like that. And so I'm down there for Bible study. I'm down there for trustee board meeting. I'm down there for choir rehearsal. And these are ministries I'm not even a part of. I'm not a trustee. I'm not in the choir, but I'm sitting in the corner with my Game Boy or, you know, with a magazine or something. And, you know, while my parents are doing this. And so at the time I didn't appreciate it, but now that's my life. So now my kids are going to deacon board meeting with me at the church or, 
you know, <laughs> they're coming. So I had to eventually develop my own relationship with the Lord. But just from, um, you know, seeing what it looks like to faithfully serve in your local church. Like, I, I just I don't feel like I could have got a better example of that than seeing my parents. Just to see someone love the Lord that much and to just serve out of the goodness of their heart, not out of obligation because it's a job, really left a tremendous impression on me, particularly as I look back on it now as an adult. Like what you're hearing so far? Check us out at TestimonyStories.com. That's TestimonyStories.com, where you can hear content for you and about you. Everyone has a testimony. Everyone has a testimony. And we want to hear yours. Tell us how God has transformed your life. Each month, we will select a person to highlight and interview. Find out more at TestimonyStories.com. Testimony. Testimony, where Christian hip-hop artists give you an exclusive look into their lives and their music. Take a journey into the minds of today's top Christian hip-hop artists as they open up and share about their past, their faith, and their music in ways you've never heard before. Put on your favorite pair of headphones or turn the stereo volume up and listen. As a teenager growing up in the Huxtable household, Theo, (laughs) I mean, Wade, bumped heads with his parents. His mom was fairly strict and wouldn't allow him to watch music videos. So he would sneak to watch The Box, MTV, and BET. Wade went to an all-boys prep school and hated it. And as a result, he resented his parents for it. Even though Wade went through the typical teenage phase of anger towards his parents, he still made good grades and was one of the top 100 freshman basketball players in Ohio State. I wasn't as focused on that as I should be. And so I just started, I started messing with girls. Like, <laughs> like that first summer I started driving, I had a bunch of girlfriends, was doing a bunch of stuff with those girls that I shouldn't have been doing. Just... Just stupid, reckless living, you know, just um, and you can fill in the blanks. I won't go into details because I don't want to glorify it because it's not something I'm proud of. But it was just reckless living. I'm lucky I don't have a bunch of kids, you know, at this point. There was one thing he could focus on hip hop. His love for it developed while he was in high school. But his years at the historical black college, Howard University, is where it became more than just a love affair. A Tribe Called Quest, Midnight Marauders, that's the record that for me was like, man, like hip hop is amazing. That one and um, Wu-Tang Clan, 36 Chambers. I got into hip hop because of those records. I just always loved the authenticity of them, the truthfulness, the creativity. And so I just started buying records. And I had a record player, but I had no intention of DJing, but it was just cool. My freshman year at Howard, um, I met this guy named Marcus Williams. His DJ name is DJ Infinite. He's down in VA now. And he had a show on WHBC 830 AM. And he used to take me up there with him. You know, that was a student run station at Howard. And so 
I just fell in love with it. I was like, man, like this is what I need to be doing. And so, you know, I used to help him with his stuff. And, you know, sometimes, man, I'd even, you know, do his show for him. And so that next semester, I got my own show. And and over that summer, I bought turntables. I bought some Gemini 1000s. Um, they looked like techniques, but they weren't techniques. <laughs> I would get out of class. I would go home, do my homework, because I was a good student. You know, I was in the honors program and all of that stuff. I would do my homework, and then I would I would always try to catch the old school mix at noon on PGC or Kiss. And at the time on PGC, there was this guy named Funk Regulator CeeLo. And I literally would be sitting in my room listening to him mix and writing down the records that he played in the order that he played it in. Then I'd try to buy the records that he was playing, those old school songs, because I wanted to make sure I got my old school collection up so that, you know, if I was doing parties or events, I could throw on that Eric B and Rakim. I could throw on that Boogie Down Productions, you know, the records that I didn't have. See, this is before the internet. And you could just go on the radio station website and just see what the last 10 songs they played. Like I was literally writing the order down that these guys was playing these songs. And in that summer, I said, man, I really want to do this seriously. And so I sold the Gemini's and bought Techniques. Um, I got my first pair of 1200s. And I love those things, man. I, you know, just gave them a workout. And um, I started DJing parties on campus. You know, much more serious stuff where you really had to be able to DJ. And I always had, I kept my show on, on 8, 8.30 a.m., you know, and so uh, I was doing that. I kind of got into the club stuff and Howard Homecoming was always a big deal. And they always, there's always a shortage of DJs. There used to be a shortage of DJs back then, you know, so I probably wasn't even that good, but I was DJing parties during Howard Homecoming at that point and just getting my weight up. The honor roll student who grew up in a Christian household embodied the DJ lifestyle. Wade was making a name for himself as DJ Odyssey in the D.C. area. One day, he DJed a homecoming event that Luke from 2 Live Crew, Mr. Pop, that, you know the song, and Foxy Brown performed at. That was a high point in his blooming career, but a low point in his life. The Foxy Brown and Bobby Condor's part, that was just like a regular party, you know. But when Luke got on... I don't know. I mean, I, I do know it, it was the devil, but I saw he was bringing girls that I went to college up on stage and they were stripping right there in the middle of the party. And these weren't strippers like these were girls I was in class with, but I was playing the music. And so it was like I just remember that's when I started like because things started popping off for me then. Like, I was DJing in clubs every week in college, my senior year. Every week I was doing, you know, one, two parties, some some weekends, three or four parties. You know, that's how I paid my rent, everything. So things were, like, popping. But I remember after that homecoming, that's when I started feeling empty. Like, I'm coming home, you know, and I'm making $250, $300 a party, which at that point, like, that's a lot of money for a college student, especially since I'm on scholarship. So I'm not paying tuition. I'm just paying my rent. And so I'm like good financially, you know, and I was just empty, though. Like I, I, and I and I couldn't explain it, but I would just come home and I just wouldn't be happy. And I just remember promoters, you know, they would always tell you, man, make sure you tell everybody to tip the bartenders, take care of the bartenders. You know, and I remember saying that stuff on a microphone 
and just feeling horrible inside because I knew I'm like, man, I'm encouraging these people to indulge in something that's that's not really healthy for them. You know, and I'm not saying you can't drink, but when you're telling people, you know, man, get another shot, get another da 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 because it's making money for everybody, but it's really leaving people just pissy drunk. You know, it, it's, it, I just started feeling kind of weird about it. One night I wasn't DJing and, you know, I knew all the club promoters that was throwing it. I was real cool with it. He said, hey man, come to the party. I'm going to have you meet Flex. And my girlfriend at the time, she had come up. Um, so we had a bottle of E&J and we drank that even before we got to the party. So we wasted, I mean, wasted. And, uh, I just remember just feeling so insecure and I started like arguing with her in the party, like violently arguing with her. And that's not even my personality. I just remember these bouncers just came and just knocked me down and just threw me out the party and I didn't get to meet Flex. I just remember I was outside embarrassed and it was like the line was like wrapped around the block i just remember when it happened i was just like what are you doing with your life like this isn't supposed to be happening bro and you know again it was one of those things i i I didn't even though i had grown up in church and all of that stuff i just didn't know where to turn testimony testimony where christian hip-hop artists give you an exclusive look into their lives and their music Take a journey into the minds of today's top Christian hip-hop artists as they open up and share about their past, their faith, and their music in ways you've never heard before. Put on your favorite pair of headphones or turn the stereo volume up and listen. Connect with Testimony and Musician Story through social media. Find links to our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more at TestimonyStories.com. You are listening to DJ Wado's Testimony, a Musician Story. After that club incident, Wade found himself in a similar situation at another club. This time, he had a bit more change in his pocket because he was really making a name for himself, DJing events for artists like Eminem and Ashanti. So this time, he got drunk off a Belvedere. He passed out and woke up in a pile of his own vomit. Wado knew things had to change, but he didn't know who to turn to. Then a good friend of his gave him a book that would change the course of his life. I was doing, you know, a lot of these events and it seemed like, man, everything was was all good, but it wasn't. And I had a a good friend, still a good friend to this day, Osaze Murray. When I graduated, he gave me a book and it was Revelation by Mason Betha or Mace. So I was immediately intrigued by this because I used to play Mace's records like crazy in the club. I mean, you know, so, you know, I had heard obviously like everybody else that this dude had left the music industry and had supposedly found God. So when he gave me that book, I was like, man, I need to read this. You know, I was just curious and I never would read books at that point. So 
I start reading the book, and this is literally the day after I graduated, packing up the apartment, and I was supposed to come up to New Jersey to look for apartments because I'd already had my job lined up with Lucent Technologies. So I'm reading this book, and I could not put it down. Like, I just couldn't put it down. I was just like, man, like, this dude had everything and just gave it all up to go serve the Lord. And I basically read the book in a day. And, you know, I went to sleep that night. And when I woke up, I was like, man, I got to go meet this dude. And I remember, you know, in the book, he was saying he lives in Atlanta. I packed a bag and just drove down to Atlanta. So in the book, he said there was a Bible study he used to go to. So I went to that church looking for him. You know, and I sat on the front row and <laughs> the pastor, I remember in the middle of his sermon, he said, this young man right here on the front row, you look like you've been on a really long journey. But I'm like, man, he probably just looked at me and said, this guy looks tired. I've never seen him in my church because it's a small church. But I'm thinking at the time, like, man, this guy's a prophet. He said, you look like you're looking for something, son. And I said, yeah. And I just jumped up. I said, man, I'm looking for Mace. Is he here? He said, I'll talk to you after the service. And then he just went on with his sermon. And so I kind of told him what was going on. And he said, yeah, he, he started his own church now. And he gave me the address. So I was like, cool. And this was the start of his ministry now, Sane Ministries. And I'm just sitting there waiting. And, you know, some members in the church started coming in. And they're looking at me funny, like, why is this guy here so early? And um, they start praising worship. And I'm just crying. And then Mace walks in. I'm like just flabbergasted. And I'm just looking and I couldn't take my eyes off of him because I could tell he was a new person. This dude is really giving it up to serve the Lord. And so um, it was at that point, you know, it wasn't anything like demonstrative. But it was at that point in my spirit, I said, man, this is the space I need to be in. Like all this stuff that I've been trying to get as far as DJing and being the next funk master flex and, you know, just making money and, you know, just trying to pursue something. I said, I can't do this. It's, it's not worth it. You know, if this guy could give up cars and houses and, you know, a million dollar recording contract to, to have church in a school. I'm like, why am I even pursuing that stuff if this is where I'm going to end up anyway? And so, you know, at that point, I basically resolved in my spirit. I, I was going to stop doing music and I was just going to pursue the Lord. And I didn't even know what that meant, but I just knew that's what I needed to do. DJ Wado did pursue the Lord, but he didn't stop doing music, at least not permanently. After graduating from Howard University, cum laude, he took a job in corporate America for a major international firm and climbed the corporate ladder. At the same time, he started serving in a church. He did the sound, sang in the choir, and ran the singles ministry. God was really writing on his heart. Around that time, the friend who gave him Mace's book invited him to an annual Bronx event called Rap Fest. That is where he was introduced to Christian hip-hop. Seeing DJ Official on stage with Cross Movement that summer of 2003, is where he realized that he too could use his God-given talents for the Lord. So I'm buying these CDs and I get to a point where I'm like, man, I really want to tell more people about this, these CDs, because none of my friends knew about these artists. Like I remember I was just buying CDs, giving them people, giving them, giving them joints out. 
giving people the truth CD, giving people cross movement CDs, giving people Lecrae CDs, you know? And so um, my youth pastor, we were getting ready to do this event for New Year's 2006 going into 2007. He said, man, uh, you know, I, and I was helping to plan it. And I said, man, we need a DJ. He said, bro, you need the DJ. He said, you always talk about how you used to DJ in the clubs. You need to do this for the Lord. And I said, wow, I guess I probably should. So I was making really good money at that time <laughs> with my corporate job. And uh, I had been promoted, I think, two or three times at that point. And uh, I went out like that next day. And I remember buying Pioneers, some CDJ. And, you know, those aren't cheap. Those are like probably six, seven hundred dollars a pop at that point. You know, but I, I had the money. And so I bought those. I bought Serato um, because, you know, I, I, I didn't there weren't any isn't any Christian vinyl. And uh, I just started practicing again, just started practicing DJing again, using Serato, using the software. And around that same time, before we did that event, I started a podcast. I said, man, you know, I started finding out about podcasting kind of here or there and you know, I said, man, let me try this. Let me just do this. You know, I've been listening to the Holy Culture podcast and I'd actually tried to reach out to them because I wanted to be a part of what they were doing and they never got back to me <laughs> at that point. So I just I just started my own thing. And that was basically the birth of the Wado radio show. And so my first semi big interview came six episodes in. I was I was home for Christmas and K Drama was doing a concert. He was like excited about it, like because he had never been interviewed, you know. Even though he had been putting music out for a while at that point, you know. So I interviewed him. Then two weeks later, when I got back home, my youth pastor said, "Man, I'm hosting this event at Nyack College. The Truth and Jr. are going to be there." So I did an interview with The Truth and Jr. and that was huge. Then the interview that really. I think put me on the map, so to speak. Episode 29, Tone A, The Naked Truth. We did the interview, man, and he just really like shared his heart with me. And uh, I, I guess for back then, it went viral, you know? Now, I didn't have a website or anything back then. I had no infrastructure at all. So I didn't really capitalize on that the way I could. Like, if that happened now, I'd have been ready to roll. That was the thing that kind of made me want to get more organized. And I remember even talking to him about it afterwards because we we had maintained a little relationship for a little while afterwards. And I remember him even just telling me, you're good at what you do, but your show is not produced well. Because remember, he had he had a syndicated show himself that was on all types of stations. And so at first I thought, man, this dude is hating on me. But then when I listened to his show, like really listen to his show and then listen to mine, I said, yeah, my show is horrible right now. So that's when I started to get more involved with producing my show. And I probably produced the next 100 episodes of the Wado Radio Show after that. That was that was definitely the thing that I think kind of put me on the map with a lot of people. Like, I remember the Holy Culture Radio message boards. There was a huge thread on that. And the interview just got around. Like, I remember all these artists that I looked up to were hitting me up. Like, I remember Fanatic hit me up. It was just like, man, that interview was incredible. You know, just people like that just hitting me up. You know, and Fanatic's like a legend to me, even now. Testimony. Testimony. Where Christian hip-hop artists give you an exclusive look into their lives and their music. 
Take a journey into the minds of today's top Christian hip-hop artists as they open up and share about their past, their faith, and their music in ways you've never heard before. Put on your favorite pair of headphones or turn the stereo volume up and listen. Everyone has a testimony, and we want to hear yours. Tell us how God has transformed your life. Each month, we will select a person to highlight and interview. Find out more at TestimonyStories.com. Testimony. Download the podcast of Testimony and Musician Story on iTunes. Find out how at TestimonyStories.com. A Musician's Story. After that Tone interview, Wado stepped out on faith and quit his corporate job to work full-time on his radio show. DJ Wado started the Wado Radio Show in 2006. After doing it successfully for a few years, he just stopped. I had developed a lot of relationships with artists and stuff, and Reach Records had afforded me the opportunity to promote one of their concerts. It was the Unashamed concert, Unashamed tour. So this was like 2011. And... I had partnered with a church to do it, and I mean, it was a huge success. You know, we had 3,000 people there, but me and the church just, it was a bad financial situation. Um, it just, things just didn't work out financially the way they should have worked out. And that kind of sent me into a depression because I started having trust issues with a lot of people here locally. And then, probably about six months after all of that happened, my wife started having heart palpitations. And that was really tough because she was, we'd have to take her to the emergency room and we couldn't figure out what was wrong. And um, we ended up figuring out that it was created by her thyroid, which was being triggered because of stress. And so it was at that point, I was just like, man, you know, is my lifestyle too stressful for my family? And so I actually had taken a break for about six months. I just had to pray and figure it out. And I remember Chris Belmont from Jaw Rockin'. Maybe he reached out to me, man. He said, hey, bro, I don't know what's going on with you, but if you need any help continuing the Wado Radio situation, I got you. And so, you know, we kind of relaunched, redid the website, and, um, you know, that was just kind of confirmation. The new website includes the latest industry news, album reviews, video interviews like Live at Jaw Rockin', Backstage, and of course, his podcast. In addition to interviewing the biggest names in Christian hip-hop, he has interviewed Kirk Franklin, Al Sharpton, and ESPN's Chris Broussard. Wade discussed what interviews were the most impactful to him. Well, I, I would say the Ambassador and Truth interviews when they came back from their fall was very difficult because, you know, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I look up to those guys even now. And then to have to be in a space where you want to ask them all the questions that people want to know, but you don't want to be disrespectful to them because, you know, man, this is this is their livelihood. This is, you know. This is this is what they do, particularly the truth. Like that day me and him did the interview. I also went to his vow renewal ceremony with his wife, Nicole. 
And just seeing that experience, knowing what he had been through and what the Lord was bringing back from was just, it was incredible. The Flame number one spot interview. And for a couple reasons. One, him and Lecrae were like really good friends, you know, and they still are. They were on tour together, Don't Waste Your Life Tour. And for him to make that song and be as, I think, deliberate about what he was talking about in the song and it mean that much to him, that said a lot to me because I was just like, man, like this guy really believes this. Like he's he really, really is upset about this direction that Christian hip hop is going in right now. DJ Wado was known for his interviews, but let's not forget, he is a DJ. At the beginning and end of every show, he does a new mix. And yes, he goes in. He also just released a free mixtape entitled More Than Music, Volume 1. The Wado Radio Show has had over 1 million downloads and is a syndicated radio show. In 2012, he received the Kingdom Excellence Award and DJ of the Year Award at the Kingdom Choice Awards. At one point, it may have seemed like he was walking away from his dream, but it turns out he was walking towards God's dream for him. To hear this episode again, as well as past episodes, visit TestimonyStories.com. Until next time, I'm Brown Theory, the music lover constantly seeking positive music.